Hello and welcome to the Commonweal Policy Podcast. I'm Craig Dale, the Head of Policy and Research at Commonweal. The Policy Podcast is back once again talking about land reform in Scotland. Recent episodes have discussed the inequality in land ownership in Scotland, but what the land is used for is both linked to that issue and just as important. The Revive Coalition is an alliance of several organisations involved with animal welfare and land reform who have campaigned for better regulation of Scotland's grouse hunting sector. My guest this week is Max Wisniewski from, from Revive, here to discuss updates to their campaign and to talk about their upcoming conference in November. Welcome, Max. It's good to have you on the show. Yeah, it's, it's really good to be here, Craig. It's been uh, a long time since I've done it, but uh, I always enjoy our chat, so it's good to be here in a podcast form once again. Mm. And of course, you were a former member of Commonweal, uh, so, which is where I first met you, so it's uh, we've both been on quite a journey since you were last in the office working together. Indeed, I, I, I was uh, working for Commonweal before uh, even even yourself, I remember, as fundraising <laughs> to get you your job there, and it's worked out pretty well by the looks of it, so... <laughs> Grateful really every day for that work. Um, <laughs> so, Kraken, who are you? Who are Revive? And how did you get interested in campaigning around Grossmoors and land reform? Yeah, so, um, as you said, former campaigner with Commonweal, uh, I'm now the campaign manager for the Revive Coalition for Grossmoor Reform, which, is, as you mentioned, it's quite a unique coalition that has land reform, environmental, animal welfare considerations. And quite frankly, the one thing that really particularly interested me about joining a campaign like this and pushing for the kind of reform we're looking for is that we genuinely have the chance to change the face of Scotland in an almost literal sense, uh, which is why I've been particularly interested in working with Revive and the land reform elements, which I had some experience with working with Leslie Riddick in the past and the Our Land campaign was particularly interesting and uh, the ability to you know, affect landscape scale change where so much of Scotland is still dominated by such archaic interests. Uh, it was a great opportunity not to be missed. Hmm. Now, you were last on the policy podcast way back in the mists of time, episode 14 <laughs> of, the, of the show back in 2019. Um, and there you were just sort of introducing what revive was as it was developing as it was as it was coming into being can you tell us a bit about who revive are and what it was originally founded to campaign on back then yeah so coalition for grousemoor reform is looking to you know radically alter and change the way huge swathes of scotland are uh are managed I and mean, that is particularly grouse shooting as a focus and grouse shooting of course is a metaphor for the huge inequitable land ownership models in Scotland. And as a campaign, we're looking to end the circle of destruction that surrounds the grouse shooting sector uh, in the country. And that includes, uh, you know, with driven grouse shooting in particular, at the heart of it, uh, the killing of hundreds of thousands of animals, uh, the burning of huge swathes of Scotland's land, uh, the the mass chemical medication of supposedly a wild bird with grouse with toxic medication, and uh, other things like bulldozed hill tracks and other aspects of land management practices which are problematic. And at the heart of that circle of destruction, of course, is grouse shooting. And all these things take place to make sure that more grouse, a few more grouse for a few people can be shot for sport. So that's at the heart of the campaign. 
And we're also looking, of course, at the land reform question, because uh, if ground shooting is a metaphor for land reform, that's because so few people managing Scotland in not the best possible way uh, compared to alternatives in which uh, you know um, the land is not uh, managed well and also for little benefit to Scotland's people as well as a wildlife environment. So uh, there's lots to get uh, you know sink your teeth into there. Mm. So some might might ask though if you wander around the Highlands that this kind of landscape created by the grouse moors isn't that an iconic feature of the Scottish landscape that could be lost? Uh, well, heather is an interesting question. That heather is something that people associate with Scotland and Ireland, incidentally, and there's not really any grouse shooting there. Uh, so it, it can exist without the, the being burnt in patches and strips as part of the monoculture of grouse moor management uh, and can exist in a much more biodiverse uh, ecosystem. Uh, the... the What's not iconic, and you could argue that grouse are one of, are one of Scotland's most iconic birds, uh, that might partially be to do with whiskey as well, uh, which I remember you getting me as a leaving present when I left Commonweal, which uh, was uh, a nice little touch. The uh, grouse might be an iconic wild bird, but that doesn't mean you have to shoot them for a bit of them to be iconic. Uh, so you wouldn't necessarily lose that aspect, in fact wildlife tourism as a replacement for things such as grouse shooting uh, might actually be a good alternative in which you could enjoy the grouse in its natural habitat without them being shot. Uh, and good to go back to the, the the heather and the burning aspect, um, I said they were burnt in strips and strips and patches. The reason that happens in the first place is to create a patchwork effect in which grouse can survive in higher numbers to be shot for sport. The taller heather allows uh, grouse to take cover, while the shorter heather allows for uh, younger grouse chicks to feed on the newer heather shoots. Um, and of course, that's burnt, creating environmental problems. But the uh, what that effect actually has is a rather unattractive for many people uh, look of uh, burnt patches and strips across huge swathes of the uplands, and that in turn looks less than iconic, I would say, than maybe some nice zoom-in pics of purple heather blooming. And, uh, you know, it really, just, it really just does depend on your perception of what iconic is, and you could really see it going the other way uh, in favour of grouse moor reform if we reformed our uplands properly. Yeah, it, it is one of these things that really hits me that now that I've got my eye into what to look for in, in this... Um, uh, I was driving through the uplands not that long ago and my eye kept getting drawn to these strip patches and bare hillsides and, and soil erosion that's been going on where the land has been managed in this way rather than in a more sustainable way. Yeah, um, what's some some people have described it as a, a manscape before, you know, it's, it's not natural. It's, mm. um, you know, many places have to be managed, but... It's not quite the uh, you know natural image of Bonnie of Scotland that would we would hope to uh, present to the public and maybe the wider international society who would like to come to Scotland if they knew what it was. Uh, you might think that's what much of Scotland actually looks like and should look like, but uh, the reality is all too different. So it's been four years since the, the you 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 joined the Revive Coalition and started managing it. 
what's happened in those four years? Has your campaign been successful? Well, right now, there's the Grousemore Reform Bill, as we informally call it. That's going through the Scottish Parliament just now. Stage one is due to be, the stage one debate in Parliament is due to happen in the next uh, couple of months, possibly actually after the revived conference, which is quite timely. And uh, that's one of the main things we're focusing on right now. Of course, there's going to be a land reform bill later in the Parliament. Um, but up until now, as as for successes, there's been... Well, one success so far is the fact that in the bill, we're going, it's not just looking at birds of prey persecution. Now, many of the listeners here of this podcast may know that there's a long, long-term association between Grousemore management and the persecution of birds of prey. That's a common association where lots of birds of prey have gone missing or have been found dead on or near grouse moors in the past, so much so that even Donald Dewar called it a national disgrace uh, when he was first minister. So uh, that's a long, uh, long-term association, but one of the revived revive successes has been to expand the conversation from beyond just birds of prey persecution. And so the legislation is going to be looking at the... Uh, the killing of animals, uh, the trapping on grouse moors, as well as having a code, there's going to be a code of practice associated with it, which may take into consideration the mass chemical medication of grouse. And Muirburn is going to be part of the bill too. The official name of the bill is the Wildlife Management and Muirburn Scotland Bill. So Muirburn's very much a big part of that. And uh, the Scottish Government are due to licence it, which we support, licence it for all uses. We'll, of course, be arguing you shouldn't get a licence to do it for the purpose of grouse shooting. So that's success number one, expanding the debate. And success number two is one to probably shout about quite a lot since we last spoke. Uh, spoke it's happened, and that's the uh, the banning of mountain hare killing in Scotland. Yeah, of it's been uh, previously 26,000, on average, mountain hares were killed um, some for sport as well, and uh, and some because of the notion that they got in the way of grouse numbers, uh, and so more of them can be shot for sport. And uh, that's that's one of the major successes. It was actually just uh, during one of the lockdowns we managed to uh, there was a, when there was a bill going through a parliament campaign and get it banned. So uh, one of the major successes was that, and they, they can't be killed except under license now. Um, and you know we we hope that license is strict. They'll still be killed if uh, it's deemed necessary by nature, Scott. But uh, certainly, thousands and thousands of mountain hares have been saved every year. Uh, so we count that as a good campaign success story. Mm. And I also uh, noted that last year there was a, a consultation on um, on licensing and regulating things like snares and glue traps. Um, mm. But the Scottish government this year has come back and sort of agreed with advice from campaigners such as Revive and from us saying mm-hmm. that no, these things should be banned and as now con- in the process of consulting on a, a total ban on some of these these traps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the snaring one was particularly welcome and that was quite recent uh, as well with a consultation going out about that and also the uh, the, the ban on, uh, not the ban, sorry, the expansion of SSPCA powers to mm. investigate and assist the police and wildlife crime incidents. So, uh, yeah, that's been ongoing. And uh, I mean, that's, it's excellent that they're consi- explaining that they consi- that they want to ban these things, at least that's their intention. Uh, 
However, I will say uh, the killing to kill on grouse moors goes beyond one trap. As cruel and indiscriminate as, as snares are, they definitely need to be banned. Uh, with no exemptions, I should say, as well, for, I'll, I'll explain nesters, uh, the other side are attempting to get through uh, some legislation about snares, uh, about a, a so-called humane restraint cable, as they're calling it, with heavy inverted commas surrounding humane restraint cable because it's effectively just a snare with a different name. And it was even rejected in Wales when Wales banned snares. Uh, as 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 being essentially the same contraption. So, in that respect, I hope the Scottish government don't cave on it, uh, and I hope that the snare, snares do receive a proper ban. But at the same time, as I said, killing to kill and grouse murders will go on unless unless we eliminate the the reason why these things that the animal killing is taking place in the first place, and that's increasing grouse numbers for sport shooting. So we should never get a license to kill animals just for that purpose. Hmm. Now, the Scottish government has been, as you say, working on other land reform um, legislation, like the Land Reform for Net Zero uh, bill, which includes increased regulations for people who own more than 3,000 hectares of land. Um, how has Revive engaged with the with that bill and that legislative process? And do you think those proposals go far enough? Well, just like Commonweal, uh, we uh, recommended that at the very least, it should be 500 hectares as a limit, the public interest test limit, of which even then, according to which we totally agree with uh, Colin Wheel's analysis on it, that uh, that could well mean that our communities uh, lose out on a very necessary public interest test when a sale has been made. Mm. Uh, for instance, if an island community or a large part of an island is less than 500 hectares, even then, it would be a compromise, so some common sense would be needed in such situations. But uh, when we did our consultation for it, submitted 500 hectares as a, as a, a minimum limit uh, so that uh, we can uh, reform as much of Scotland's land as possible, quite frankly. 3,000 is far too much. Hmm. And it is good to, that we, we did see some hints from the, the First Minister, Hamza Youssef, that he was considering taking on that 500 hectare uh, mm. limit when the bill comes back so we'll certainly be keeping an eye out on that Yeah, it, it does go, offer some hope in the First Minister's reacting to that because that was after a Mercedes Villalba uh, yeah. uh, member's bill in which she was saying 500 and Colin Wheel and Revive had said 500 hectares limit so if the First Minister you know, is able to is reacting to that who knows what hope we could have if we started pushing, you know, um you know, other gears into place with regards to land reform, we really started to push things such as land taxation um, and others down the line. So, uh, yeah, it give, give, maybe gives us some hope uh, going forward that, you know, that these good good proposals can be listened to. Yeah. And beyond just just that, what, what has engagement between Revive and the Scottish Government been like? Have they been generally receptive to your ideas? Yeah, I mean, when you meet Scottish government officials, it's uh, you know uh, always very professional and usually friendly, and they will uh, you know prevent uh, listen attentively. Of course, uh, naturally they'll come to their own conclusions about what positions they want to actually adopt. Uh, but yeah, as far as far as uh, we've seen, uh, they've been receptive to uh, our work and 
recognised for the the contribution to the debate and the policy as a as a as a key stakeholder. Um, according to the cabinet secretary Marie Goujon, which was excellent to hear. So yeah, we have I'd say a relatively good relationship with government and the Revive conference we have coming up in November. Uh, we've got two government ministers uh, addressing the conference. So I'd say generally the relationship is good. And you know, with the Grousemoor Bill, it does some important stuff. It's a very important intervention and sets some key standards going forward. Mm. Um, if it was to be adopted in full, which uh, we hope it will do at least do, as opposed to being watered down, uh, that's certainly our hope. So our relationship with the government is decent. And I think it's uh, without... Um, try, you know, sounding too sure of ourselves. I think we've definitely had an influence on the strength of the bill. Uh, in fact, I have to say I'm highly confident we've had, had a decent influence on that. Excellent. So, yeah, tell us about that conference uh, that's, that's coming up in November. Why is it being held and what, what are you going to cover during it? Well, the conference is called, alluding uh, to one of our my previous statements about changing the face of Scotland, that's what it's called. It's called Changing the Face of Scotland because... And with the land reform and the uh, Rousemoor bills going through Parliament, uh, you know, as a major step, I mean, that's what we want to do, change change what Scotland looks like for its people, wildlife and environment. And that's what the conference is discussing. The first part of it is going to be started by Chris Packham, uh, introducing the section Fighting for Our Future, which is very relevant right now. If you've seen a lot of materials he's been coming out with and a lot of his own speeches and statements, I mean, he's doing such a good job fighting for the future uh, on a national and international basis. So it's fantastic to have him presenting the entire day. Um, and, and we'll have Lorna Slater for Biodiversity Minister talking about what works going on there at the government level in that front. Uh, the second section is going to be analysing the grouse shooting bill. Uh, how successful is it? We're going to have more Nature Scott people involved as well as, as, well as the RSPB. John Muir Trust talking about carbon emissions land tax. Uh, it is going to be quite significant in terms of like a proposal for how we can deal with things in the future. Uh, in fact, I think that's in the third section. Uh, I mean, in the third section, we've got yourself, Craig, speaking, which I'm very pleased to uh, pleased to see, as well as Director Conwheel Amanda Bergauer. And it'll just be great hearing you and Leslie Riddich and uh, the Langholm uh, buyout, uh, who a group who bought out a former grouse moor uh, coming together to discuss what how to actually get to that future and uh, in this section called Our Land. So we need to, I mean, this, this conference is very much about how to get there, where do we go and uh, how do we achieve it, uh, rather than just talking about it. This is really, I think, a staging point for uh, what comes next in land reform and, uh, you know, how we manage our land in Scotland's future. And if I can be allowed to self-promote just a little, yes, I'll be I'll be discussing the the, the role of local democracy in, in all of these changes and why Scotland needs a local democracy because we currently don't have one. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, you know I think it's Leslie Reddick I heard saying that we Scot uh, Scotland has thirty two council local councils. The Faroe Island has thirty. Yeah. Um, so and Faroe Islands is teeny with a few a few few thousand people compared to the millions in Scotland. They've got two less councils than we do. So, yeah, yeah we probably need a little more, a little, little more local democracy, <laughs> Craig, just a little bit. Mm. Mm. 
So what what do you hope to get out of the conference by the end of it? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I'd like to think of this staging point uh, for the the next steps. I mean, we really need to kick off, in particular, the land reform debate again, um, and more so than a debate, uh, kick off some serious action. So I think that's going to be important. And I think looking at the Grouse-Moor bill and the context of where we are now, if I think it's, it'll be important to almost set the agenda and the talking points on the in the Grouse-Moor debate before, before it happens in Parliament, uh, if that indeed is the timing. Because quite frankly, you know, are those that are supportive of grouse shooting want to see no change whatsoever. They are putting everything they can into stopping any necessary change from happening. And so challenging these large vested interests is challenging. And uh, we've got to be prepared to, you know, show up in our numbers and, uh, you know, show the government there's a, a lot of people behind, uh, you know, decisive change. And uh, I, think, I think that's one of the things I want, uh, we want to achieve. And, you know, and, to, and also, you might be interested here, we've got Mark Diffley from Diffley Partnerships coming to talk about public attitudes of crowd shooting. So there might be some interesting uh, figures and stats coming from that. Oh, you know me and data. I'll be right there. So once you've done that, when, what what is what is Revive looking forward to um, yeah, in, on even longer timescales? What's next for you in terms of campaigning? Well, so I mean, after, after this Grace Moore bill is through Parliament and it's complete, you know, there'll be discussions on what the code of practice would look like, how things we manage over time. Going beyond that, there's, there's some key key things for Revive to get our teeth sunk into, and that will be in conversation with the likes of you, is Colin Wheel, and, uh, and our other partners, and just exactly you know, where strategic interests lie, of course. Uh, and so we'll have, I guess we'll have these discussions together, Craig. Uh, mm, cer- certainly, I see land reform becoming one of the big ticket items we start pushing. For me, it's uh, it's one of the, one of the the top three issues in Scotland between that climate change and local democracy, which would make both of the other two happen. Uh, so yeah. yeah, it's definitely something I'm I'm keen to do more on. Exactly, and we were talking a little before uh, being on air about you know, national energy companies, et cetera, and energy use. I mean, you, for some of this, you'll need, you need land. For some of this, we'll want communities to be empowered to own some of these resources as well. So, uh, I mean, one of the reasons land reform is so important is it ties in with so much of people's economic lives and, you know, and, you know increasing people's, uh, you know, large parts of rural Scotland's economy as well. So there's there's so many opportunities to be grasped at there, and uh, it's it's not just a it's not just a, a thing to be held in isolation. Losing swap swapping uh, you know a few hundred landowners for a few thousand, and then it's all done. There are so many more opportunities for so many tens of thousands of people if we if we do it right. Mm-hmm. So how can people find out more about revive? Um... Or how can they find out about the conference and how can they get involved uh, more generally in your campaigns? 
Well, it'd be great if people could sign up to the Revive Pledge if they haven't already done so on revive.scot. It should be just at the top of a website on phone and web, uh, the desktop. Uh, and on the, if you look in the news and events of the Revive website uh, segment, there will be inf- uh, links to the conference so where you can uh, order your tickets. And the conference is going to be on the 12th of November. Uh, Sunday the 12th of November, doors open after 11, it starts at 12, midday, in the Perth Concert Hall. Um, as I've said already, Chris Packer was presenting the day and we'll be going on till about half five-ish, so uh, not too long a day, about 12 to half five. And uh, the way to look on that is either, either look at the Revive website, the news and events, or go into the Perth Concert Hall website and find it there. And tickets are £8, £5 concession, so... We try to make it affordable for people. Hmm. I'll stick some links in the description of the show so that people can find those. Well, yeah. thank you, Max. It's been really great talking to you again. Um, and it's always always great blabbering to you about policy off the air as well. So hopefully we'll Absolutely. get more of that. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing you at the conference. Me too. Thanks. Take care until then. And I'll end the show as I always do by reminding folk that Commonweal is entirely dependent on our donors and supporters. Um, to, to fund our policies, to fund our campaigns, and to fund this podcast. We don't get government money. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't even have large landowners throwing buckets of money at us. We don't even have adverts on our website. So if you can support us and you would like to, there's a donate link in the description of the show. Thanks to my guests again. Thank you to all, my, all of my listeners. And I'll speak to you again next week. Bye.